When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Santana into the windup. The payoff pitch on the way. Swung out and missed. Strike three. He's done it. Johan Santana has pitched a no-hitter. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah, y'all know me. 303-877-337-6666. That's right, it's McMonagle here in the overnight. Got you for two more hours. So the warm-up show comes your way, talking about a lot of different things over the course of the morning. Obviously, we started with the Yankees and the news there. And let's get to Stu real quick on it. Stu in Brooklyn. What's up, Stu Pot? So what do you think of the signing of Stroman? <laughs> uh, what do I think uh, of the signing of Stroman? What do you think of the signing of Stroman? Well, he wasn't a good person in the Met clubhouse. What makes you think he's going to be good over here? Um, yeah, well, it's different. Uh, I think the leadership judge brings is a little bit different than the leadership inside the Met clubhouse. Right. Um, and you know, we'll see Sometimes clubhouses work, sometimes they don't, but the pitcher on the field, they got a good deal for, I just don't think it's enough. I think the contract's great. I think the signing is great. Uh, they gave the the value they got for the pitcher they got is, is good. Your, your concern is a, is a concern. Uh, his, his, his kind of, um, Quirky behavior, you know. Yeah, a little like, bit, and he's he's thin skinned. He's a little sensitive when it comes to social media and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's a concern. But you know, they got to do more. That's my concern. My they concern have to is do more. So they I'm do. still looking. I'm still. Would you bring in? I, I he, the question is, are they still going to look to go to Snell or or no, Montgomery and spend that much money? I don't know. The money now concerns me. I know it wasn't a lot of money. It was a good deal. But I just I don't know if they had it in them in to, for two free agents. Uh, he was making eighteen million. They need so, yeah, or Montgomery. I, th- I, I th- the one, you know. I, yeah, I'd rather go. I still I'm hoping a trade is more likely. I'm hoping a trade for Burns. Burns well, just that would be the that would be the best. Well, there you scenario. go. Burns Burns just signed a uh, his arbitration for fifteen and change, fifteen million and change. So that's a reasonably no, no low number. You trade for him. Uh, uh, that's that's what I would want to do because right I now they're at the luxury. Ta- they're at the tax where I think it's dollar for dollar. If I read it correctly, I think now they at at where they are. So if you give Snell thirty million dollars, you're giving Snell sixty million dollars. So right. I, I just don't know if the Yankees have it in them to give anyone sixty million a year. Uh, now listen, that'll ch- possibly change that the roster changes next year, especially if they don't get Juan Soto. Then the number really goes down. He reached arbitration for thirty one million. Uh, the biggest arbitration number in Major League history. Right. So, I mean, I, I, but I'm looking to would you do say more this that year. Would be the best, the best option. Who would be the best? I, I, no, I, I still think Burns is the best option. I just, I, no, I don't, I'm sorry, Burns. I'm yeah, sorry, Burns is the best option. Burns. Then yeah, Snell, Burns but I, I'm, the, Snell would be second. Snell would be second. Now they offered, and thank you for the call. They offered us uh, to. They offered Snell a contract this morning. I don't know. Uh, he obviously turned it down. There were reports that it was for thirty million dollars for five years. I don't know if that's been confirmed. I saw a couple reports that that's what it was, but whatever the case may be, I thought they were going to be starting to negotiate with Snell, and whatever he said no to, I think it, they felt like that was about as good as they were going to go because they quickly pivoted to Stroman, and it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. I needed a better starting pitcher. 
And so now there's they st- there's still time. There's still pitchers out there. There's still money to be spent, or there's still trades to be made. But uh, I'm concerned that this has a it has a rotation is done kind of feel to it. It has a rotations kind of. They signed that they they signed Weber for two million dollars, and they signed Stroman. Those are the two pitchers they needed, and I feel like that's it now. And I'll be extremely disappointed, but it's it's still plenty of time to go out there and do something. And maybe some of these numbers fall to them. That's what Joel Sherman's reporting. Joel Sherman is now this gives them the ability to attack these negotiations, whether it be trade or free agency. Now with Stroman in-house and in the fold, they don't have to go with such desperate uh, tactics. They can, you know, let the numbers come to them. Well, I mean, that sounds great and all until they don't and someone else signs them for the numbers you're uncomfortable with. I want the player. I want the player. And right now I'm concerned it's not going to happen. Jose and Corona. What's up, Jose? How you doing, Sal? I've been listening Chris. to you for the last uh, few days. Uh, I'm, you're 100% right on your assessment of the Yankees. I wanted to touch a little bit of football history, but uh, you, I agree with you 100%. And, and okay. people are calling it every night with Bauer. The problem with Bauer is they got up. It's not so much what, what he was accused of doing. He's an oddball. He's an unlikable guy. And I think you've addressed that. Well, yeah, uh, so, so inside the clubhouses, I mean, we talk about Strowman being a problem. I mean, I oh, really, man. Bauer's been more of a problem. I, it's just, more of can, a problem. Go ahead. Yes, you're absolutely right. Him and, and Cole don't get along. They, him and Cole don't like get along. Other, the Dodger team wanted him. You know, the Dodgers were so quick exactly. to get off him. Yeah. So it's not the second chance. Uh, you remember in the, in the 90s, the Yankees gave, uh, it was a pitcher named Howe. He had been suspended. Oh yeah, no. How had a million chances? That? Yeah, no. He was he was doing. He had he had a drug problem. He had a cocaine problem. Yeah, he had four chances. Listen, you were talking about the Super Bowl. You're absolutely right. I grew up in Corona here when the Jets moved from the Polo Grounds. Right. In '64, I they practiced at Shea Stadium. Yeah. And the kids in the neighborhood, we used to go and watch the practices. And I watched, you know, because they practiced right there. There were no complexes and the NFL. Right. Wasn't as big as it as it is now. Right, sure. And it's in his infancy. Yeah. The first Super Bowl didn't even sell out. Right. They had they actually I think the second Super Bowl they, they played it at the Coliseum in L.A. Yeah. And they like there were like six dollar tickets, seven dollar tickets, and that and you know what the name Super Bowl they got it from? It, at that time in the sixties there was a, a Super Bowl, a ball that bounced. Yeah. A Super <laughs> all Bowl. over the place. Yeah. Yeah, the Super Bowl. And and one of the uh, owners or whatever, let's, let's call this game the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, And that's where it became. But I'm going to tell you what led to the merger it was money, the economics. The AFL and the NFL were a war, the same as the ABA and the NBA. And they were out, you know, they were paying these college kids coming out. One, you know, because they had two drafts. The AFL would draft the same guy. The NFL, you know, that's the NFL. And it, the salaries were going up. Back then, there were only one-year contracts. Right. So the first thing they did, the AFL and the NFL did, when they, they decided to do an agreement, was to have a common draft. So the players wouldn't have the leverage anymore. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what, if all these drafts, the ML, if if I if I go you go back to all these drafts, they say it's, it's to try to have parity, it's to save money. In the draft in the, in the MLB, 
because I'm older than the draft. I was born in 52, and the draft came in 65. And you know what created the draft in Major League Baseball? There was a kid came out. He, his father was, a, I think, a physician. He was well off. And he named Rick Greco. And he wound up getting like $400,000 because he, he was a free agent, you know. There was okay. no draft. So yeah, he, right. He, he could he yeah, you, signed, you, you scouted players and you signed them, yeah. And you signed them, yeah. That's how Mickey Mantle was signed. Sure, Joe DiMaggio, that's kid, how the Yankees got what, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. But this kid, Rick Breaker, in 64, he wound up getting like $400,000. When Willie Mays and Hank Aaron were making a hundred grand, and this kid who's never right, played... You, you got, and then now 1965, MLB said, you know, back then it was American League and National League. And they said, we've we got to have a draft. Yeah, but in the draft wasn't so much about parity. It was about money. No, I, 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 I got you, Jose, but I'm just, uh, you can, I'm, I'm sorry, and thank you for the call. The game still is important. I mean, the, 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 the Jets showing that the AFL were a comparable league and that the, the teams were worthy of joining the NFL was clearly, in, that, that game impacted the idea they, that those two teams, that the two leagues would merge. There's no doubt about it. It was very impactful. You, you, you might have valid points about the draft, but that game meant something. That game changed the landscape of the NFL. Leo in Brooklyn. What's up, Leo? Hey, what's up, man? I was just listening in for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know what your take is on Bauer, but you and that other caller were saying that, like, you can't take in, you can't take in Bauer. I didn't say you can't. No, um, uh, I think Bauer deserves a second chance. I think that um, yeah. I think that I, I just don't know how I feel about it now with the Yankees necessarily. But my point was is that because it's it's come up especially with with uh, uh, with the signing today of Stroman because Stroman. You know, he's on Twitter. He's rubbed a lot of fans the wrong way. He's got he's kind of attacked people on Twitter, and he's attacked the Yankees specifically. And people kind of, yeah. I mean, like I had a call and yesterday. Also, I don't it's know like, if you guys know, but yeah, he, he, I'll, I'll, I'm going to let you finish your point. Okay. But I also want to get my point across, please. Also, but you can finish your point, and then I'll put it. Well, I was just saying it's it's kind of because because people will say, like I got a call yesterday saying you can't sign Stroman. He's a cancer in the clubhouse. You got to go get Bauer. And I'm like, well. Let's be fair about it. Whatever you might think about Bauer and the idea that he wasn't uh, criminally charged with anything, and then the the lawsuits were dropped without him having to give any money, so he was really found not responsible for anything. There was also issues in the clubhouse. The Dodgers had there was not a, like everybody immediately was get him off the team. Like he's had issues where at different spots he's gone in college. It's well documented in college. He yeah. was very much disliked by his friends. So if you're gonna say. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you, the point is, is now that you're talking about Stroman because the Yankees signed him, and you want to talk about what a distraction he is and a problem in the clubhouse, it's tough to then just turn around and go, you should get Bauer instead. Like that's all. That's what it came to. But okay. I think at some point okay. Bauer is going to get a is going to get another chance, and he probably deserves one. Okay, I'm going to make I'm going to make a few points here. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think that Bauer has something left in the tank. I don't think Stroman has anything left in the tank. Oh, I don't that's know about one. that. Okay, I, I agree okay. with the first half that's of that. Not, that's, I, I agree. Bauer has something one. in the tank. Yeah, good. Okay. Number two, this guy Stroman has a history of attacking fans. Attacking Michael K. Mm-hmm. Throwing out that strong word, racist. I, I you don't throw that word around. Yeah. You don't just throw that word around. That word has weight. Yeah. That word has a lot of weight. Okay. Yep. You don't throw that word around so like so like nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's no, that's number two. 
And also, if somebody, I believe people change, okay? And I believe that if somebody changes and wants another chance, you know, they could come back. Like, listen, people make mistakes, and if you change as a person, okay. But don't, 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 don't sit here and, and I don't want to hear people about, about this and this character, this and this. So what, so what, so like, Domingo Harman is a pass? Aroldis Chapman is a pass? So like, what draws the line? You can't just pick and choose. If you're going to take people back, if you think people really change, which I believe people change, mm-hmm. then you've got to take everyone back then. If you're saying you change, right? What's the difference between Aroldis Chapman and Trevor Bauer? What difference? Well, the, the, the difference is what they were accused of doing. One guy shot a, um, a, a gun in his garage. The other guy, you know, uh, put a, a was accused of uh, sending a woman into uh, unconsciousness and and then physically assaulting her while she was under uh, while she was unconscious. That's that's different well, than, than firing a uh, discharging a firearm. Well, the common denominator is they did they both did something very they were accused right. of doing something very bad. One was one was one was they say one didn't do it. Now they say one did do it. Well, I mean, right? yeah, and they he was accused. Bauer he was uh, Bauer was accused by multiple women uh, of of some things. He also on Twitter as well uh, sent uh, you know uh, um, you know kind of in it suggested that his Twitter followers go attack a female sports writer who wrote a, co- a story about him he didn't like. There's been a couple of things. I'm not. I, I'm not. You want. You seem to want to draw the line between things. I, I understand what you're saying. But I mean, with one hand, you're telling me all the problem. Like it's just they're both no, well, they're both problems. I'm they both did so- the common denominator. Is they both did something wrong. So you can't say you can't say like you can't say oh we could take in we could take in Strowman because Strowman did a lot of wrong too. Strowman caused a lot of hate in the. In I, the un- I understand that, but one's Twitter. Yeah, I know, but one's oh. but one's criminal, and one's no, 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 not. I'm not. I'm not comparing Stroman, I'm not comparing Strowman to to Bauer. I'm right. just comparing Bauer. To Chapman and Domingo Harmon. Okay, yeah, no, I, I get you, and I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. I'm not. I'm not bringing okay. in because Strowman wasn't. Wasn't. I'm not bringing that. I, I get you. What I get I'm you. Saying is, yeah, I'm but saying is you can't just say Domingo Harmon oh, is allowed to be the Domingo, in the clubhouse. I, I got you, but and they signed him, and I don't think Strowman. Strowman is, is, is trouble if you ask me as well. Strowman comes with baggage if you ask me. He does. It's a different type of baggage. It's not the same as domestic abuse baggage. Now, uh, Herman was with the team when the incident happened, so he was already there. They did trade for Chapman after the incident, so that's bringing on someone who had already had the baggage. Now, again, he technically—I mean, he didn't physically assault anyone. He fired a, a gun and was and was obviously scaring his uh, his significant other, or whoever it was, with him in the incident, but. Uh, yeah, listen, you're right, and, and and with the Bauer situation, I never said he doesn't deserve a second chance. And it is it's very important to make to make the distinguish uh, that he was not he was not charged with a crime, and then in a personal libel suit he was not found liable. He was there was and he did not have to give any money, so he was not found responsible or guilty for what took place. So that is something, and he is contrite. And he did come in here, and people can change, and he deserves a second chance. He does, but I don't. I don't. It's the we're talking about Strowman right now. If you wanted to have a separate conversation about Bauer and some of the players inside baseball, Ozuna with the Braves, uh, you know, it goes on and on. It's more than just it's more than just the Yankees. Uh, you know, Reyes had an incident. Uh, Familia had an incident with the Mets. So, yeah, Bauer deserves a second chance. Other players have had one. 
and we'll see what happens. But it, I think a lot of it also had to do that before this, he was he was not a very well liked guy by his teammates or Major League Baseball. He had no friends. When this all happened, he had no friends. That doesn't mean he shouldn't get a second chance. I agree. It's just this is now the time for either one of these two teams. That's the question. He is a he is a very good pitcher. Your your initial point about who has left in the tank, I think both pitchers have left in the tank. Stroman's 32 years old. I have no doubt Stroman's still a good a good to very good starting pitcher. You think he's washed? What makes you think he's washed? He had a bad second half. He had a de- he had a great first half. First off, last year he was brilliant. He was one of the best pitchers in the National League. He was an All Star last year, and then he faded a little bit. Had an injury at the end, and at the very end, he was terrible. But I expect if healthy, Stroman's going to give you a three five ERA. He's going to give you one hundred and sixty to one hundred and seventy five innings if healthy. And he's going to be a damn good starting pitcher for you and someone who could probably make a postseason start for you and someone who's in the middle of your rotation and certainly helps the Yankees. They are better today than they were yesterday. But forgetting all the noise and forgetting all the comments he's made and forgetting all the people he's attacked and the words he's thrown around and all that, which I agree with you, and that's something he's going to have to you know answer for in some levels because he's attacked Brian Cashman. He's attacked some of his now teammates. And made comments about how he was better than all of them and liked uh, tweets about, you know, liked tweets that were disparaging his teammates or his new teammates. So he's going to have some questions to answer, no doubt. Some of it's he's gone a little bit already. He he made fun of Soto and his, his kind of stretch on the field when he pitched against them. And Soto's already come out and, and made light of that in an Instagram post. So, like, I, I don't think it's anything he can't get over. I'm less concerned about him in the clubhouse than I am with him being so sensitive that when he struggles, and he will, all pitchers do, he'll have two or three starts in a row where he's not very good. Maybe it'll be the, hopefully it's not the start of the season because that's when it really gets loud. But like if he struggles, he is going to get flack from this fan base. He will have zero honeymoon. Zero. So he's got to be able to take that without going back at fan after fan because if and if he starts blocking people that will be a story too like all of it he needs to just be able to take the criticism and the volume that he will probably even with the Mets he was new to the Mets there was no history there there's history here there's history with the fan base he's directly knocked the fan base this is going to get loud if he sucks He's, and when he struggles, and he's got to be able to deal with it. And we have seen player after player come to this town and be unable to deal with it. And that's why I joked, I hope they put him in the locker room right next to Stanton because nobody, in my memory, has dealt with it as well as Stanton dealt with it. Stanton, Stanton won opening day in Toronto, his first game as a New York Yankee. He had two home runs and won a game against Toronto. They won that series. He comes back to New York on opening day. He gets booed because he's 0 for 5 in the rain. From the minute he got here, he's been booed. And nobody's handled it with more class. So I hope they put him, I hope he recognizes and learns from Stanton's example. Because that's what he's going to have to do. Because there's going to come a time where the team struggles, he struggles, he's going to get booed at the stadium. He's going to have to deal with it. He set himself up for that, and he wanted it. That's the other thing about this contract, looking at it. The initial report was he reached out to the Yankees. There is no doubt. 
He wants this. He wanted to be a Yankee. I think he could have got a better deal if he waited. He got the same contract pretty much as Lucas Giolito. He's been a much more proven track record pitcher than Lucas Giolito. He could have got more money. He reached out to them. He wanted this contract. I think a lot of it has to, I think they signed him in many ways because they recognize the deal it is and the idea that he wanted it. And then he puts out on Instagram that he's a Yankee. He puts out pictures of him in the uniform. He puts out pictures of him and his father and him wearing a Yankee sweatshirt. He wants this. So he better recognize all that comes with it. Because this is the most predictable thing ever. I do. It, it will be really embarrassing for him. And not that that matters. I, I don't know how much he cares about that. All I care about is the product on the field. But it will be bad for him if he comes here knowing the history he has of blocking and attacking Yankee fans and going after Brian Cashman and the rest of this rotation. Having that history coming here and being unable to deal with any kind of criticism or 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 flack or negative feedback, then he didn't want to be here as much as he thinks because that's part of the territory. And if he doesn't recognize that by now, it's up to Judge, it's up to Rizzo, it's up to Cole, it's up to the leaders of this team to get it through his head that he is going to have to deal with it. That Judge get got booed in the postseason of a year he hit 62 home runs. So what happens if he gives up five runs in the first inning? He's going to get booed walking off the mound. The fan base is probably itching to do it. Which I have a problem with. I don't understand why we itch to boo people. But I have no, I'm sure uh, he's given more reason than anyone else. So he's better be prepared for it. But that's all secondary to just what does this do for this team? Because I'm trying to win a championship. It's been since 2009. I don't want to be here in 40 years talking about the anniversary of the last time the Yankees went to the World Series. Like we're talking about the anniversary of the Jets Super Bowl. I'm tired of this. It's time to get back to the World Series. And with with Juan Soto under a one-year deal, this year has to be, let's go build the freaking best team in the American League. And Marcus Stroman, while it makes them better, does not do that. And that's what I want. And so that's what they still have a time to do up until February 14th on Valentine's Day when pitchers and catchers report, and probably even after that. But it's time The time is now to go out and add more. Add more. Do better. Call us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Boom, boom, boom. All right, 331. McMonagle here with you. Uh, I think I forgot to mention the Giants uh, did hire a new offensive line coach. That was quick. Uh, Carmen Brasillo of the Vegas Raiders. He is now the new offensive line coach, and I wish him well because that has been a, a, a wasteland, a barren wasteland. Not necessarily the coaching department, just the offensive line. I mean, someone's got to fix this thing. I, I was reading somewhere he likes to play with a fullback. I don't know if that's a an offensive scheme thing that Brian Dable would be open to. Something they got to fix this offensive line. Come up with with ways to do be able to protect a little bit better. And God knows we haven't 
been able to do so for so long. So there's, I I, I like the idea of free agents. I want to get some veteran offensive linemen. Like they have some young offensive linemen that hasn't really gone well besides Andrew Thomas. I don't know if Neil needs to be moved inside to a guard position or whatever, but they need to figure out this offensive line in the worst way. So good luck, Carmen Brasillo. You have taken over the ax, the the nexus of the universe that never seems to go right in Giant World. So please do something. Help us. Bring over that excellent Raider offensive line play. Figure it out. Because And you know what? Honestly, I don't know which running back he's going to be blocking for or he's going to be coaching up an offensive line to block for. i got to be honest. The more and more I think about it, I think, I think Saquon Barkley is going to be gone. And I think that's probably the best thing. I, I initially wanted to tag him. I'm starting to get away from that. I'm starting to think that just moving on from Saquon Barkley is the best thing, especially if they do what I think and draft a young quarterback and winning is probably a year or two away. Now, look, I love giving a young quarterback – uh, Saquon Barkley and give him another weapon and someone to drop the ball off to. Uh, I, I like all that, but I don't know if I want to guarantee money into a cap. I don't know if I want to sign him to a contract. I think it's just best if Saquon Barkley moves on. I think that's just ultimately what's going to happen here. It's what's best. Melvin in Virginia. What's up, Melvin? You're on the fan. Yeah, dude. Uh, I'm... I think we're all in the same boat down here. <laughs> what's uh, what's that? Yeah, the one I, the one taking we, on water? Because yes, that's it. Yeah, I mean we we're trying to put a, a football team together down here, and you know I'm a I'm an old school guy. I go all the way back to uh, watching Joe Joe uh, Willie take down the Colts back when I was when I was F- fourteen, fifty five years ago today. Oh man, he was laying by the pool with the with the fur coat on. Well, sure. Oh man, he left the field raising that number one. You yep. know that was that was so cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know we're just we're just trying to get get a team together that'll play for the same cause that that the Redskins always played for. And you know I know it's the Commanders now, and I we're trying to jump on that bandwagon. But man, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> it's 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 hard to do. So I, that's why I'm saying we're all in the same boat. Yeah, no, so uh, who, of course. Who do uh, we who do we get? Do we get an older coach, coach like Belichick, or do we get a guy? No, like, I wouldn't uh, do that. Hardball, hardball, and, and, and these guys just want to. They just got to pick up the cause, man. Back yeah. in the day, they they all they all played together. I mean, it, it was so, so much fun, you know. Yeah. Everybody had fun. I, I understand that, and, and winning, winning is contagious, you know. Winning is but, contagious. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it's been a while for you, Melvin. I appreciate it. Thank you for the call. I would not, if I were the, if I were Washington. Look, Bill Belichick's a great head coach, and how could I argue? So, if you get Bill Belichick, you just got the greatest head coach in the history of the NFL. Congratulations, and you thank your lucky stars. But I'm drafting a young quarterback if I'm Washington. I'm pr- I'm probably going to get Drake May with the second overall pick. So I don't know if Belichick is the kind of guy you want to bring here and de- and go about developing a young quarterback. I know it worked with Brady, but again, Brady's special. And I hope May could be special. But it's been a long time. 
And I'm not sure if Belichick is in the mode for that. It depends. If he is, then it makes sense. Young quarterback, build the team up. Probably end up just giving them control to everything, run and run Washington. It makes sense. It makes sense. New owner there. He could start his career. He could start his, his, his real tenures as running this organization by handing it over to Bill Belichick. How could anyone blame him even if it doesn't go bad? Even if it goes bad, excuse me. I think that makes sense on some level, but in today's NFL with these quarterbacks and the like and them having to play right away, if I were Washington, I'd probably look for a young offensive coach. That's probably what I would do. What's his name? And um the offensive coordinator for Detroit is gonna get a lot of run. There's there's different guys. I might be willing to do something like that. Can't go wrong with Belichick. Can't go wrong. That would be a perfect spot, too, for Harbaugh. You want to bring in Harbaugh? 100%. That'd be a great spot for Washington. Harbaugh running the, the Hogs? I think that's that's a that's a great spot. He's got his pick. He's got his the, the young quarterback. Run the organization top to bottom. I think that would work perfect for Harbaugh. Jesse in Queens. What's up, Jesse? Hey, Chris. What's up? How's everything? Good. How are you, buddy? I'm good. I'm just uh I'm seeing the Yanks make some moves and you know I want I want I want to Well there are back, some there know? are some reports that you guys are out there looking at Solaire. That would be nice. Yeah, I was I, like I was glad guy. I was glad to see like that. that. They guy. need to add a bat. I think they desperately need to add a bat, a DH bat, another guy who could play the outfield possibly. I think Solaire fits the team great. That's yeah, that's what we're asking for. No one's asking to go out there and get Bellinger or like Solaire is a legitimately obviously uh uh, World Series MVP, great player. Go get him. Yeah, you could hit behind Pete at five, finally a five hitter in all these years, and uh, give some uh, much needed production to the lineup. Uh, yeah, and he's not. They're saying he's only asking for like two years, twenty-two million, or one year, fourteen million. So he's not gonna. He's not gonna like you know. It doesn't hurt for, the plan at all. Just go do it. Add a bat to this team. The team needs it. Go take care of this team. I don't understand why you wouldn't. So I was glad. I, yeah. It felt like they weren't going to do anything, but at least I mean I don't know if I don't. I'm tired of taking reports seriously. I just can't do it anymore. So I have no idea. But I'm hoping they're in the market for a DH. I'm hoping they're willing to go out there and spend money and bring it back to this team. They desperately need it. Yeah, it's time. It's time to go and make that move. You made you made all these little bargain, bargain hunting hunting yeah. uh, moves. The entire rotation let's is go, question let's marks. Go get a real bat. They've done nothing but throw it against the wall. And listen, he's not a world beater. And thank you for the call, Jesse. He's a, he's a good player, a good solid hitter. I I would you, the the Mets would it would fit perfectly for the Mets. Go get him. Go do something for this team. Stop giving up on this year, man. I'm crying about Marcus Stroman with the with the Yankees. The, the Mets do nothing. The Mets have done nothing to this team. They didn't they didn't have to get into a fight with Alonzo with arbitration. That's that's the most positive news coming out of the Mets in a while. Like, come on! You got to. I, I think I was. I was happy to hear that report. Solaire is a, a guy I would definitely look into. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. All right, we'll break here. We'll come back and we'll do some picks. We'll do our wild card weekend picks, our playoff picks. Marco said he went back and found his record. He was over twenty games over five hundred. Bravo. Flegelman claims, I mean, we'll just take his word for it, that he somehow overtook me down the stretch. 
So for the regular season, all of us finished above 500. Marco won, Flegelman two, McMonagle three. But we're going to change that in the playoffs. I'm about to get hot. Chargers and the New York Giants have exchanged their draft picks. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Watching other teams play in the playoffs and not the Giants or Jets, but we're used to it. Doesn't mean I can stand it. All right, but it's playoff time. It's pick time. Two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. I'll save the Monday for Monday because I'll be on, and we could talk about that game on Monday. We could do that pick on Monday. But so we'll start with Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, should I say, and we'll start with our champion. Marco had an impressive congratulations first off an impressive year 20 games over 500 if he actually 24 listened, but 24 we, games over 56 500. 32 wow. and 2 I had to look it back impressive 56 32 and 2 I will never do that again if only you listen to yourself you might not even have to work here anymore. yeah I will never be able to pull this off again <laughs> 24 games over this was a one and done I'm sure I'm sure it was a one hell of a season you did but, an incredible job now the season's not done so let's see if I can keep this rolling into the playoffs because this go. is not let's... exactly the easiest thing, but I'm going to roll with it. Start with the games going. Probably go in order. Let's um, do it. Start with Cleveland and Houston. Yeah. All right. This is the game that I got to be fair. These are the two teams that I thought were the biggest pain in the ass in the AFC, and I'm a little annoyed that they're playing each other. Because so, To get a read on? Yeah, no, no, no. Oh. That I thought that they were going to be the biggest pain in the ass for everybody else. For oh, the I Ravens, got you, I got you. for the Chiefs, for whoever it was, this right, was right, going right. to be the thorn in every game. You're like, oh, man, the Texans, they're tough. Or the yeah. Browns, they're and they're facing each other, so one of them's going to get knocked off. Because mm-hmm. I could have saw, depending on the road, this being your AFC championship, which would have been weird, wow. but I could have saw it. I, I, I believe that much in both of these teams for certain, I guess, different reasons. But facing each other, as good as this Brown story has been, and as much fun as the Joe Flacco story has been, and as much as everybody wants to say that Joe Flacco is now the Joe Flacco of, what, 12 years ago, whatever, I just still feel like when push comes to shove... The one thing that Flacco struggles with is making the mistake. Mm -hmm. Now, as much as the Browns' defense has overcome that and he's thrown for a bajillion yards and he'll get touchdowns and he can throw it, he'll always be able to throw it, but he always makes the mistake, minus the one run for the Super Bowl title. I think this Texans team is under the radar. I think C.J. Stroud and some of the, I mean, the growth that they had from last week to be able Mm -hmm. to get into the playoffs, winner-take-all against the Colts, and then turns into a division title, some of the throws that he made... yeah. We're, I mean, eye-opening to the point where you're like, whoa, forget about rookie season and this guy could be, he might already be there mm-hmm. to be that good. I think this is kind of another coming-of-age moment for C.J. Stroud. I like the Texans. They're an underdog as well. Give me them plus the two-and-a-half against Cleveland to start off an upset to start off these playoffs. Game two in the frigid, cold, whatever the hell it's going to be, 30 games, 30 mile, what, a 30-mile winds, and it's going to be 20 mile, uh, twenty degrees under below zero. This All of this adds up to Dolphins' disappointment. They mm-hmm. don't play well against good teams. The Chiefs, depending on what the matchup was, I thought that they were primed to get knocked off on the first Saturday or first Sunday right. of wild, Super Wild Card weekend, but this is a perfect matchup for them. You're at home against a team that likes to play finesse 
and they're now going to be in face in this type of Tyreek Hill. That was the one thing about the Chiefs that didn't fit was him. He hated the cold weather. Now he's on the other side. He's got to make the plays for the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. I don't buy it. I know they can run the football when they need to or they want to and they're gimmicky and all that. Stop it. I don't believe it. I don't believe they can win this game. Chiefs, it's only four and a half, which I was a little surprised about. Give me the Chiefs laying the four and a half. I think this one's the easiest one of the weekend, which is why I'm probably the most afraid of it. But I do think it's the easiest. Okay. We're going to go to Fleetman. We're going to do Saturday first because of the time. Okay. We'll do Saturday and then we'll do Sunday. All right. So the first game Saturday, I'm going with the Browns here. Look, I, I've been on the Texans all year. I love them, love the story. And I think this is going to fizzle out for the Browns when they play a much tougher defense next week. But I think they get the job done here. This is still a tough defense. They haven't been the same on the road. But that's a tough defense for C.J. Stroud Mm -hmm. to play against. And remember about the Texans. They don't really have a running game. So it's going to be all aerial attack, at least attempting that. I think the Browns do enough to win. And I think they cover this game. I think Flacco does just enough. That offense has been much better. I mean, it looks like a completely different team with him under center there. Right. D'Amico Ryans has done a great job, but we know this Browns team. We've seen it with Stefanski before when he beat Pittsburgh a couple years ago, even though he wasn't there for that game with COVID. But I'm sure he helped in the lead-up and preparing for that game, what they did to Pittsburgh. I like the Browns here. I trust them. I think it ends for them next week. But for right now, they keep it rolling. And then Saturday night, I I don't know. Uh, The Dolphins are a team I've been picking all year. But right now, it's not just the weather. It's the injuries. The injuries on defense. I don't know how you can make a case for them right now. Even as off as Kansas City has been pretty much all season long, this is a home game. This is their environment. They're more used to cold weather than this Dolphins team, Tua, when it's under 45 degrees is bad. And we're talking 45 degrees, under 45 degrees. Yeah, I know. This is going to be like nothing he's ever experienced nothing. in his life. Yep. I, I, don't, I feel almost bad for the Dolphins with all the injuries and stuff that's been thrown at them. I don't know how you can even make a case for them being in the game. Like Marco, it seems so obvious. That's the reason it scares me. Yeah. The line has moved, but I thought it would move even more yeah, in I Kansas know. City's favor. All right. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right, I'll go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna do it. I-, I agree with a lot of what you said. I've been on Cleveland all year in a lot of spots, but this defense, which is the best defense in the NFL, is far better at home than it is on the road. And I. I'm. I'm. I'm going against a couple things. I'm going against. A rookie quarterback against the best defense in the NFL in the playoffs. That is a that that sounds like a loss to me, but CJ Stroud is so special. And you could argue that Colts game was a playoff game. And he to to Marco's point, he looked fantastic in that game. Now I know the defense is different here with Cleveland, but I just have a feeling that this team and this coach and this quarterback are special. Uh it's two and a half. I would have loved to have seen it at three. I'm probably gonna wait and see if I can get it at three uh, come Saturday. I don't know if I will, but I'll see if I can get it there. But for whatever reason, I just think this quarterback has proven he's not a real rookie this entire year, and I love the feel of this team. I love the feel of this coach, and I believe in this quarterback, and this defense is, if this was in Cleveland, different story. On the road, I don't trust them as much, and their defense, and, and to his point, Flacco will make one key mistake, and this defense hasn't been as dominant on the road, and that's what I think their best strength is. They can run the football a little bit. Flacco's been great, but they win football games mainly because their defense takes over the game against Stroud on the road. I don't know if they will, so I'm going to take the home team here and have a little fun with it, take Houston plus two and a half. And then, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know how you make a case. They run the football better, right? I mean, 
They might uh, they the, the speed that they have might play even in the cold. But yeah, the Chiefs are just so used to this, so prepared. Mahomes, Reed, nothing's going to surprise them in this in this weather. Plus all the injuries, as to, to Mike's point. I mean, uh, Howard Waddle isn't even clear for this game yet. He probably will play, but he's clearly hampered. Uh, I I don't trust the that attack and this scheme in this weather. It's crazy temperatures, and I just come playoff time. It's still the, the they've they've been they've played in every single AFC championship of Patrick Mahomes' career, and I don't expect that to change this week against the Dolphins. I just think it's impossible to take anything but Kansas City. So give me Kansas City minus four and a half, Houston minus, uh, plus two and a half. You want to break and we'll come back and do Sunday or do wrap around? All right, we'll wrap around. Yeah, go do Sunday. All right, Marvel. so Sunday, look, the first game, this is a weird one. I just think the point spread's way too high. I do think the Bills win. I know it's going to be cold and fridge. I don't think that matters anywhere to, to the Steelers either. I think T.J. Watt not being there, obviously, is a major, Huge. major, major problem. Huge. And I don't know if they're going to garner any of the defensive pressure that they can do when they have Watt because it's a little easier to game plan against them. But when was the last time we saw the Bills really just roll somebody? They just haven't been that team. Like they'll, I think they'll win this game, but 10 points is way too much. And the Steelers do what they do. They try to play close and see if they can eke it out in the fourth quarter. They're a pain in the ass. That's their entire MO. And the Bills have not been a dominant force, it feels like, since what? The Dolphin game way back in, like, September? It feels like they don't blow anybody out. So 10 points to lay in this one, to me, is too much. I do think the Bills win, but I think the Steelers cover. So give me Pittsburgh plus the 10. Game two, this one, to me, has blowout written all over it. I know everybody's thinking it, but the Cowboys at home have been a different animal. The Packers making the playoffs has been a hell of a season. Jordan Love, great job in year one, under center, getting the starting role to get him into the playoffs. I just don't see how the Packers can play with the Cowboys. The only way is that the Cowboys vomit on themselves. There's no way that this game should be within 10 to 15 points. They really just shouldn't, and I'm going to go with that. The Cowboys are just flat out more talented, and I do think that there's going to come a point where they don't, because they're not going to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to make the mistake, and it's going to be, oh, well, same old Cowboys. It's not going to be in this game at home against the Packers team that just flat out isn't that good. It's only seven, too, which is a little weird to me. But give me the Cowboys laying the seven. And this one, this is probably the game of the entire weekend. Rams and Lions for all the different storylines, the Goff and the Stafford and the McVeigh and all this other stuff, and the Lions haven't won a playoff game since 91 and Barry Sanders and all that. I would love to say that the Lions are getting that win. I thought all season long it was like, oh, cool, the Lions will get that first win since 91. It's going to be fun. This is probably the worst matchup they could have got. I would have loved to have seen them get the Packers. They could have yeah. won that game pretty easily. Yeah. There's something about this Rams team. There's something about Stafford in the big moment. There's something about McVay that knows how to game plan for it. They're not great by any stretch, Mm-mm. but they're good, and they're smart, and they're veteran. They don't make mistakes. They don't beat themselves, and they can score. They can get points. They know how to do it, and you're getting points. Give me the Rams plus the three. On the road, this is not easy, but I do think that Stafford and McVay get a little bit of a last laugh on Goff, and even that's almost hard to say because he's been so great for Detroit, and I want them to win. I'm rooting for them. I just don't think they will. Give me the Rams plus the three. All right, the first game Sunday. Look, what Marco said is right about it. it. Seems like too much, too many points. I've been trying to come up with a way to convince myself into taking the points yeah. in Pittsburgh all week. I can't do it, even with the total of 36 and a half. Like you have to look at this game and say, all right, I think the Bills can win 23 to three, 27 to three. And you know what? I do. I think this Pittsburgh offense stinks. I think their defense, even with T.J. Watt, 
wasn't the kind of typical Pittsburgh defense you think about. I think the Bills dominate them. I think they have a party in the bad weather. That's the only thing that makes me have some slight concern. But you know what? If one quarterback's going to be able to figure it out in the wind, it's going to be Josh Allen. The Bills will keep the ball on the ground, whether it's Allen, whether it's Cook. And Mason Rudolph is just not going to be ready for this moment. And remember with the Steelers, a couple of their recent playoff appearances, they got blown out by Kansas City. They got embarrassed by Cleveland. Mike Tomlin has done a really good job getting his team there the last few years. They haven't done well once they're there. I think the Bills roll and they cover the big number. The Sunday after or later afternoon game, I'm going with the Packers here. The Cowboys have been great at home. I just think there's going to be that one game where the favorite, you know, gets really, they have to sweat it out and the Cowboys offense should roll in this game. I think the Packers defense is not that good. And I think their offense, look, they've beaten up on some bad teams to get to this point outside of the win in Detroit on Thanksgiving. I don't think they're that good, but I think Mike McCarthy is not a very good coach in these big spots. I think the Cowboys make it a little nerve wracking for these, their fans, whether that's it's too close in the fourth quarter and Dak has to have a moment or the Packers give you a, a late score to make it a one-score game and then they're trying to get an onside hit, whatever it is. I think they stay kind of close and cover the number. And the night game, I'm kind of bummed that Marco stole it from me. Not only do I like the Rams with the points, I like yep. the Rams outright. I think they're going to go into Detroit and win this game. They've been one of the best offenses in the league for the last two months. Sean McVay knows how to coach in these games. He knows Jared Goff, him, Raheem Morris. I think they'll come up with a great game plan. I think they'll win that game. And I think the Rams are the only team in the NFC that can even threaten San Francisco in Santa Clara. And I think we get that matchup next week. I'm taking the Rams outright. Yeah. uh, You guys both, this is the problem of uh, me going third. Uh, Because I agree with both of you on that one. But let's get to uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. I agree with you. I'm... I'm trying to figure out a way myself, but I'm going to take the 10. I'm going to take Buffalo minus 10 as well. I just don't see there's any way that Rudolph and this this group, especially without Watt, I think that is an enormous problem. Now, the only my only fear is that the wind is so bad that passing is almost impossible no matter who the quarterback is. If you can't throw it at all, it's just it's tough to cover 10 points with a run game. They do have a, a better little ground and pound game, Pittsburgh does, than Buffalo. But I what I love in this game is Allen's ability to run the football as well. Allen's the dual quarterback. Like you said, if one of them is going to figure out, it's going to be him to make this passing game work. And I like the way Cook runs. And I just think they have been that team that has been uh, – they they can dominate at times, you're right. Over the course of the season, some of the victories haven't been as big as you think. But this Pittsburgh team just won their Super Bowl getting in. From where they were, they had consecutive losses to three-win teams in the middle of the year. And to get to where they are now, I think there's just going to be a little bit of feel like, hey, we're going into Buffalo. The wind's crazy. We're lucky we're here. Tomlin accomplished his feat of winning 10 games and getting us into the playoffs, where I think Buffalo and Josh Allen are hungry. And if he can't throw the ball down the field, guess what? He can't turn the ball over. So maybe they'll hold on to it and just dominate the line of scrimmage like they're capable of. Give me the Bills minus 10. 
I'm going to take the Packers minus seven. Uh, the Packers. I'm going to take the Cowboys minus seven too. The Cowboys in this building. I've been saying it all year. I wanted the matchup of San Francisco in Dallas because I thought those are the two best teams: San Francisco and the Cowboys at home. I understand the coach playing his former team, the problems he has, the uh, the idea Dak is under the most pressure. I think they get through this week. I think they've won this game before. It's only the first week. It's against the Packers team with a young quarterback who's played well, and he does play well, particularly against uh, man defense, and that's pretty much what the Cowboys play. So I could see them putting up some points, but I think this offense is just too dynamic, too explosive, too made for this game in this spot, and I think they're going to put up a ton of points. I could see it being, you know, like I, I could see 42-28, something like that, uh, but I do think it's going to be a touchdown. So give me Dallas minus seven, and then you're both 100% right. I've been saying it for weeks that the Rams are the most dangerous team in the, in the NFC. I've been saying it's the Bills and the Rams, the two teams that could just sneak into the playoffs. It hurts my argument that the Bills found a way to be two, uh, the two seed, but those were the two teams that were trending upward, fighting their way back into playoff contention. And despite the awful game against the Giants, I love the coach. I love the offense. I love the quarterback. And this is the first game in 30 years in that building. And I think there's going to be immense pressure on this Lions team that all year long they've met expectations. Expectations heading into the season, expectations now in the postseason, being a home team against their former quarterback. I think Goff is the kind of quarterback who folds in this spot, quite honestly. I think Stafford's going to step into that building feeling like he belongs there, and Goff won't. And plus the coach, uh, as much as I love Dan Campbell, he's a great motivator, and he's got that team buttoned up. I think if it comes down to it and plays need to be made, we know which coach I trust to, to uh, you know, get his offense. The two different wide receivers they have there uh, with Nakua and obvious, obviously Cup. I just, the, the running back, now that he's been back healthy, has changed the dynamic of that team. I love them trending forward. I absolutely agree. They're one of the more dangerous teams in the NFC for me. Give me the Rams plus three easy. I like them to cover. I'm going to bet the money line easy.